0: Saturday, November the 27th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, catch up, new variant causes concern, and France and Britain row over migrants. First, the week in brief. The World Health Organization labelled a new COVID-19 variant, first identified in South Africa, a quote, variant of concern, and named it Omicron. Preliminary evidence suggests that it carries a greater risk of reinfection than other strains. Belgium, Hong Kong and Israel confirmed cases of it among travellers arriving from Africa. The EU imposed travel restrictions from several South African countries, so did America, starting on Monday for non-citizens. Other countries, such as Britain and Japan, had already taken such measures. Stock markets suffered their biggest falls in more than a year. Several COVID vaccine manufacturers said they were already testing whether their drugs would need to be tweaked to deal with Omicron. BioNTech said it could adapt the mRNA jab it produces with Pfizer within six weeks if necessary. The new shots would be ready for shipping within 100 days. The firm reckons it will know how effective its existing vaccine is against the new strain within two weeks. Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, said he had seen intelligence suggesting that a group of Russians and Ukrainians planned to stage a coup in the country in early December. The conspirators were trying to enlist Rinat Akhmatov, Ukraine's richest man, he said. Mr. Zelensky gave few particulars and stopped short of implicating the Kremlin. It denied involvement anyway. Emmanuel Macron, the French president, lashed out at Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, for requesting on Twitter that France take back migrants who arrive in Britain via the English Channel. 27 people drowned while attempting the crossing on Wednesday. Both countries have blamed each other. Meanwhile, nearly 500 migrants were rescued off the coast of Tunisia on Friday while trying to reach Europe. Japan approved $6.8 billion of extra defense spending in response to China's and North Korea's growing assertiveness in East Asia. The purchase of new patrol planes and surface-to-air missiles listed in next year's budget will be accelerated. The package will bring military spending as a share of national income to its highest level since the 1950s. Carlos Arthur Newsman, the former head of the Rio 2016 Olympic Games and the Brazilian Olympic Committee, was sentenced to nearly 31 years in jail for buying votes for Brazil to host the Games. The 79-year-old was found guilty of money laundering, tax evasion, corruption and criminal organisation. He will remain free pending an appeal. Merck, a pharmaceutical company, said its antiviral COVID-19 treatment is less effective than previously thought. Last month, Merck said that Molnupiravir, an oral drug, reduced the risks associated with infection by approximately 50%. A full analysis of trial results, though, suggests the actual reduction is closer to 30%. Several countries, particularly in Asia, have already ordered supplies of the drug. Word of the Week Grew Noun A word used by linguists to refer to the part of the colour spectrum between blue and green. Many languages, particularly those used in sunny climes, do not distinguish between the two colours. And Editor's Note Whether you're a loyal fan or a new listener, we want to hear from you. We're launching a listener survey so you can tell us what you think about our shows and so we can find out what you would like to hear more of. To take part, visit economist.com slash briefing survey. That's economist.com slash briefing survey. And now, here's Today's Agenda, a documentary on female journalists in India. Filmmakers are fond of imagining an ideal version of journalists. Dramas including All the President's Men, 1976, Spotlight, 2015, and A Private War, 2018, follow intrepid reporters who dare to speak truth to power. Such films invariably show writers winning over reluctant sources and risk-averse editors before breaking a huge story. The obstacles in Writing with Fire are even more formidable. This is a documentary, not a drama, and Meera, Shamkali and Sunita, the three women at its centre, are Dalit, a class so denigrated that it is excluded from the Hindu caste system. They are routinely rebuffed as they go about their work for *Kabalaharia*, Waves of News, a female-led newspaper in the Indian state of Uttar Pradesh. Their spouses and families don't approve of the job. Some reporters lack electricity and are unfamiliar with smartphones. Their stories on sexual violence, infrastructure and healthcare matter deeply. Writing with Fire won prizes at the Sundance Festival in February for its realistic depiction of how challenging journalism can be. Paul Thomas Anderson's Latest Film The ninth feature film written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson is also his fourth, after Boogie Nights 1997, Magnolia 1999 and Punch Drunk Love 2002, to ramble through the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles, where he grew up. Set in 1973, Licorice Pizza depicts a romance between a teenage would-be entrepreneur, Cooper Hoffman, son of the late Philip Seymour Hoffman, and a 20-something photographer's assistant, Alana Haim, a pop rock singer. The seedier side of the 1970s is embodied by a louche movie star, Sean Penn and a drug-crazed producer, Bradley Cooper. But critics have praised this breezily nostalgic comedy-drama as Mr. Anderson's funniest and warmest yet, with two future superstars in the lead roles. Don't be put off by their age gap. The flirtatious friendship is sweetly chaste. Unlike a pizza made of licorice, it won't leave a bad taste in your mouth. Australia's Unusual New Cricket Captain A former Australian Prime Minister, John Howard, joked that he had the country's second most important job, behind that of the national cricket captain. Those words may weigh on Pat Cummins, Australia's new skipper, ahead of the Ashes, a five-game series played every two years against England. A week ago, Tim Payne resigned from the role after it emerged that he sexted a woman in 2017. He was already married. Mr. Cummins is both an admirable and unusual choice as his replacement. He is a bowler. Captains are nearly always batters. There are tactical and historical reasons for this. Captains take most of their important decisions in the field. That is hard to do dispassionately when you are concentrating on your own bowling and in cricket's early days, batsmen tended to be gentlemen amateurs, while bowlers were working class and played for money. Should Mr. Cummins shatter this received wisdom by leading Australia to victory, he could prove Mr. Howard right. Profile Shannon Brewer, Director of Mississippi's Last Abortion Clinic Shannon Brewer is often yelled at on her way to work. As the director of Mississippi's only abortion clinic, she is the frequent target of anti-abortion protesters who gather outside Jackson Women's Health Organization, a pink building in the state capital. In her office, she regularly checks a screen showing footage from the cameras outside. Managing staff is its own security operation. Doctors travel in from other states and are accommodated in safe houses. This year, the IA directed at the clinic intensified. On December 1st, the Supreme Court will hear Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, which concerns Mississippi's ban on abortions after 15 weeks. In 2018, a lower court blocked the law because it violates rulings that abortion on demand is a right until a fetus becomes viable. If the justices reject that decision, it could weaken the right to abortion established by Roe v. Wade in 1973, or overturn it altogether. That would be a disaster in Mississippi, one of 12 states that, through a, quote, trigger ban, would automatically outlaw abortion if Roe were overturned. State-level laws have already made it hard to access abortion. Many women drive hundreds of miles to reach the clinic. The need has been exacerbated by Mississippi's promotion of quote, abstinence over sex education and by poor access to healthcare, including contraception. Many of the clinic's patients are poor. More than 70% are black. Only 38% of Mississippi's population is. Miss Brewer started working at the clinic 20 years ago as a technician before training as a sonographer, a role she still performs. She is hard-headed about her work and does not speak in the emotive voice of an activist. A mother of six, she says she is concerned about the way the politicization of abortion affects young girls. One child, she recalls, arrived so heavily pregnant that she gave birth in the room normally used for surgical abortions. Miss Brewer has put up posters illustrating methods of contraception. The clinic also offers cut-price IUDs. But if abortion were banned, the clinic would shut and these services too would end. She hopes that all this too will be available to patients after the justices have ruled next year. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Jimi Hendrix, who was born on this day in 1942. Music is a safe kind of high.